What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey girls, before we start our episode, I want to tell you that I am offering a free coaching session. I am doing a giveaway. So all you have to do to enter the giveaway is leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. Spotify does not count. Apple Podcasts is where you need to leave me a review and you can send me a screenshot of your review through Instagram and I will put your username into a list in my notes app and I'm going to randomly choose someone once I get to 500 reviews and then I will announce it once we get to 500 reviews. But leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and you can enter to win a free coaching session with me. And yeah, so leave me a review, send me a screenshot and you're entered. All right, let's get into our, our episode. Hey girls, welcome back to my podcast. I'm super excited for today's episode. We're going to talk about how to not lead with your sexuality. And I think that this is honestly one of the most important things that you can do as a woman to set yourself up for success when dating, to set yourself up to be in healthy relationships with wonderful men. And yeah, let's just jump right into it. So when I was a kid, I talked about this in my last, or two episodes ago, my last podcast, I talked about how I was really sexualized as a child. And when I was around 10 and 11 years old, I started getting really, really sexualized by my teachers, by the boys in my class, by the parents, you know, I just started getting sexualized in general from everyone around me. And I really internalized, like I said in my two podcast episodes ago, I really internalized that my sexiness or my sexuality, but not even my sexuality, more like my body and like the way that my I present as my sex appeal, my sexiness, that was the most interesting thing about me in the sense that that was what I needed to lead with and then who I am could catch up after. So I would feel that, okay, I need to kind of, you know, or naturally, he's going to be attracted to my body and he's going to want, you know, my body and he's want to, all that kind of thing. And then after that, he's going to find out that I'm, you know, a wonderful woman and and whatever. 
And part of my healing journey has been to reverse that, (laughs) is to completely reverse that and to absolutely understand and reprogram my mind into realizing that who I am comes first. And that switch has been the most healing thing ever because I carry myself now as a sacred woman. I carry myself with class, with respect, with dignity, with, you know, as an embodied woman, I know myself, I feel I have a lot going for me, you know, I carry myself with that energy of confidence and of security. And it was not always that way. Of course, I always thought I was a wonderful woman. But what I did believe was that like I said, was that that was secondary. And the first thing was my sexuality. And I had to lead with that. And that put me into a lot of situations when I was a kid, 18, 19, 20, when I, or where I would, I believed that, you know, I had to sacrifice showing up as kind of like a sexy person (laughs) when I didn't want to, so that people could then get to know me. And that really was something that I have healed a lot in the last five years now as an adult woman, really healing these internalized beliefs from the patriarchy that say that, you know, our bodies and our sexuality and whatnot and our sexiness is the most interesting thing about us. And so, so yeah, so it was something that was really, really painful for me as a child reflecting was this constant emphasis on my body and really like my butt and how I looked and all these things and as an adult really carrying myself from a very centered space a very no knowing node (laughs) oh I don't even know how to even say it but basically knowing myself and when you carry yourself as an embodied person somebody who has done the work, who has regulated their nervous system, who feels secure in themselves, who feels purposeful in their lives, who's connected to God, who's connected to themselves, who's connected to themselves in general, connected to themselves, connected to life. When you carry yourself with that energy, you show up as a sacred woman in any room that you walk into. And your sexuality has too high of a barrier of entry to even be a question when you are engaging with others and the things that you carry yourself and that you put first are who you are your passions your interests you know and it exudes from you this space of confidence of self-knowing and that becomes what others receive and what others are interested in and if others are not interested in that and they're more interested in your sex appeal or your sexiness or your sexuality then they're not people that will be around you and there's two things here where we really internalize these beliefs that you know, we have to lead with our sexuality. And then what happens is that because we've internalized it, because, you know, patriarchy told us that we internalize it, then we consistently get that reflected back to us because we are leading with our sexuality. And then we attract and engage with people who want to 
consume our sexuality and so who they are want us they want women who lead with their sexuality and so when you learn to not lead with your sexuality what happens then is that not only are those people not attracted to you they may be sure but they're usually not but if they are it's a non-negotiable for you and it's interesting because you don't realize that you are okay with someone when you're in that space of leading with your sexuality you are okay with someone who values you first for your sexiness or for your body and you believe that you have to sacrifice that to to gain connection and when that becomes a non-negotiable for you when you become confident and secure in yourself in your sacredness in your divinity and you feel confident and filled up in who you are it then becomes a non-negotiable for you that if a man is only interested or first interested in your sexiness your sex appeal your sexuality and that's what he ranks as most interesting about you and then who you are comes after he's not an option. He gets immediately cut off and he's not someone you're willing to be around. So not only do you not lead with your sexuality, you also make it a non-negotiable that others who are interested in you leading with your sexuality will not be around you. And as you start to embody that, because it's an embodiment, as you start, and, and a lot of this, I'll talk about it a little later in the podcast, but you know, it's it's not something that you can, it's something that you embody because you feel it in your bones about yourself. Like I feel about myself connected, secure, confident. I feel like I know myself. And from that space, I can then show up in this way right but i have that the first part is kind of connecting with yourself um and knowing yourself and whatnot but it's interesting because life then begins to reflect something else back to you and you know for me in my experience when i was a kid and i was being really sexualized by a lot of people around me and i had a lot of older boys who were constantly wanting to date me And it was never that I had boys that were, you know, just trying to like hook up with me and that was it. It was the fact that they always, they wanted to date me, they wanted to be with me, but it was always my sex appeal or my sexiness came first. And so I internalized that belief that that was the first, the most important thing, and then everything else came after. And when you start to uninternalize that, when you start to decide that that is no longer the reality that you're willing to live in, it's no longer the beliefs you're willing to hold about yourself, you start receiving men who reflect that back to you as well because it's a non-negotiable if they don't reflect it back to you they go to the curb so you only reflect you only are around men who reflect back to you this um this this yeah this reflection of how this sacredness that you hold of yourself I remember I never really had any male friends that weren't in love with me or like wanting to date me or wanting to be with me in some sort of way and I remember as I really started to hone this in um, a few years ago, I made a male friend and he was not interested in me. He never wanted to date me. (laughs) He was never, you know, 
it was never about that. He just, you know, really cared about me as a friend and was really, really interested in me as a friend and thought I was a really wonderful woman. And, um, and we formed a, a friendship. And that, again, is a reflection of carrying yourself in that way. And I felt, wow, this feels really refreshing to have a connection with a man who views me as me first. And then as this physical body second, or maybe he didn't even really consider that because we were just friends. But as we start to carry ourselves as that, for example, like I said in my other, my other, um, my other podcast episode, my Instagram feed completely changed because I no longer believed that my sexiness was, first of all, the most interesting thing about me, but second of all, something that I even wanted to share with the public on social media. So I no longer chose to show up in, you know, constant bikini posts online. And again, as I stopped believing that my sexiness was the most important thing about me, as I stopped, you know, putting out bikini pictures online, again, it was like, I believed that, okay, I want a man to love me for who I am, but I'm going to constantly post, you know, things that kind of reflect that I value my sexuality as the most, or my sexiness, not my sexuality. It's not like I was, you know, thinking that I had to have sex with guys to connect. It was that I thought that my sexiness was the most important thing about me or what I needed to have um, in order to connect. And so when I stopped believing that and embodying that, men started wanting to connect with me outside of that. And you start engaging with a different kind of man, which is exactly what we want. We want to engage with men who are not interested in viewing women solely for their sexuality and their bodies and etc. We want men who are connected with themselves, with men who are embodied men themselves, with men who have standards, with men who don't want women who think that their sexuality is the most important thing about them, um, with men who are, you know, embodied in their in their own selves. So that's what we want. And over time, we start receiving this back to us. And I really believe that part of really leading with who you are comes from knowing who you are and knowing yourself. And of course, when we are younger and even when we're older, but when we are 18, 16, 19, 20, 21, we don't really know who we are. I remember, you know, being 19 and being a freshman in college and not really knowing what I wanted with my major, if I wanted to go to law school. And so life is kind of imprinting upon us. And what we want to do is we want to start learning who we are and connecting with ourselves outside of, you know, um, relationships and just really know who we are individually. And for me, you guys know, I took that two years of celibacy and intentional singleness. And I also did therapy. I've been doing therapy for consistently for about four, four years or so. And, um, and yeah, so that and then also traveling alone, which I also talked about in my recent podcast, traveling alone, learning to date myself, intentional singleness, therapy, all of these things, celibacy, all of these things gave me the space to actually learn who I was. And then through relationship, I learned who I was even deeper, right? Once you get into a good relationship, but 
learning who you are and what you're interested in and what you're about and what your standards are and what your boundaries are is so important because a lot of times we never really mature out of the maiden archetype and the maiden archetype is an archetype of our feminine psyche that really is I have a I have a podcast about why our society craves hates and conditions us into the maiden and so the maiden archetype is an archetype of ourselves where we are really submissive and being imprinted upon by society by life by men and we're looking at men with like doe eyes and we're looking at things with doe eyes but we're not taking any agency and we're just kind of submissive to life and its circumstances and society conditions us into this embodiment because it makes us more easy to manipulate, to walk all over, to abuse, to have sex with, to sexualize, to consume. It makes us easier to to be exploited when we're in this disempowered and submissive state, right? And there's a way to be in the maiden archetype in an empowered way if we can go into that intentionally. But what happens is that we're conditioned into the disempowered aspects of it. And When we are in that space, we are not able to carry ourselves with a confidence, with a security, with a knowing, because we don't know ourselves, because we're just looking at life that's imprinting upon us. I'll give you an example. When I was 19, I've talked about this before, there was a 30-year-old that wanted to be in a relationship with me and that I ended up being in a relationship with briefly for like six months. And reflecting now as a 25-year-old almost, I am like, wow, that was, first of all, wildly inappropriate. And second of all, intentionally exploitative, right? So we don't realize when we are in this maiden archetype, when we are 19, trying to figure life out and we're absorbing life like a sponge, but we're not standing firm in who we are, we don't realize that, you know, things are exploitative, of course, or else we wouldn't probably be in the situation. But you realize that a lot of times men, there's a lot of amazing men and there's also a lot of disempowered men and really harmful men, um, but there's also a lot of really wonderful men. And so you we realize that there's a lot of harmful men that intentionally seek out women who are in this maiden archetype by default because they are 19, 20, 18, whatever it is. And they know that they can get away with a lot with these types of women because these women don't have standards, they don't have boundaries, they don't know who they are, they don't know themselves, they're not confident in themselves, they don't have standards for relationships they're not marriage minded at 19 or 18 they're not you know really taking everything seriously they're kind of just going with what you're presenting to her and so that is a real good example of how we are intentionally exploited in this maiden archetype and what happens is that part of this maiden archetype i believe is the disempowered aspect of it in our society is that society conditions us to think that we need to sexualize ourselves or be sexy or have sex appeal or sexualize ourselves or give sex to men as a way to connect and we don't but when before we know ourselves or before we've connected with ourselves, no matter if we're 40, if we're 60, or if we're 16, before we have connected with ourselves, we are going to 
default to something else to try to gain connection with a man. And a lot of times that is our sexuality. And we want to learn to not lead with our sexuality because like I was talking about, you then receive men who want women who are leading with their sexuality because they in some way are not mature themselves, embody themselves, or, you know, in a a more harmful sense, they actually want to exploit these women, right? And so part of it, I believe, is actually just connecting with yourself and knowing yourself and going on a journey of self-discovery and saying, because you come out of that and you say, this is who I am. I know myself and I know myself as sacred. I know myself as a wonderful woman. And when you know yourself as a wonderful woman, when you've integrated all of these pieces of yourself and you've put them all together and you can stand in all of your glory, you then, it, it's not its not even an option for you to be with a man who thinks that you know, your sexuality is the most interesting thing. And it's also not an option for you to lead with your sexuality because you don't think your sexuality is the most important thing anymore. You know that your sexuality is sacred, which is a huge, it's actually knowing that your sexuality is so important and so sacred that your barrier to entry becomes much higher. And in our society right now, we have kind of convinced like everyone, that sex is not important and that sexuality is, you know, just this mechanistic thing and that we can, you know, just exchange this constantly. But when we, when we actually connect with our sexuality, when we connect with ourselves, we actually realize how sacred we are and how sacred our sexuality is and how sacred our wombs are as women. And when you realize and know in your bones how sacred in your womb you feel it, how sacred your womb is, how sacred your body is, how sacred you are, you no longer become willing to allow a sexual energy exchange with someone who you have not vetted and who does not make your heart feel safe, right? So it doesn't even, it's not something that you you lead with anymore. But some, some basics, some basic kind of guidelines, first things first is you have to start connecting with yourself, knowing yourself, carrying yourself as, yeah, as a confident woman. I don't really like the term high value man or high value woman. They just don't really resonate with me. I think sacred woman feels a lot more in resonance with what I'm trying to communicate. But sacred woman, when you know yourself as a sacred woman, you carry yourself with an air of pride, of confidence, of security, of, um, yeah, of just feeling it's not something that you need to, I saw a quote and it was like, you're not playing hard to get, you're actually hard to get. So you're no longer playing these little games. You're actually just embodied in your hard to get-ness because you are, you know yourself as sacred and your barrier to entry is a lot higher. So when you show up to dates from this space, you are leading with your sense of sacredness, with your sense of connection, with who you actually are. And so some basic rules would be, I guess, to not have sex on the first date. I mean, of course, I, my audience and who I'm talking to are women who are marriage-minded, who are commitment-minded, and who want to, you know, um, be with wonderful men who really love them and treat them like queens, okay? So that is who I'm communicating with. 
I'm communicating with women who want to be with really wonderful men who have done the inner work, who are wonderful, incredible men, who love them, who value them, who treat them wonderfully, and women who want marriage and who want commitment. So if you're a woman who has different values or different desires, then, you know, take what resonates, leave what doesn't, and that's, you know, totally up to you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You, but for me, I would really recommend not having sex definitely the first date, but I would say until you're in a relationship. But what I'm really saying is until your heart feels safe. So again, you need to go on a journey of self-discovery to find out what do you need for your heart to feel safe. For me, I need to be in a relationship. I need to be committed to. I need to be claimed. And for me to even be in a relationship, that means that I vetted them, that I love their values, that I love them, that I know that they're an amazing man. So that's what I need for my heart to feel safe. But what you need for your heart to feel safe might be different. It might be you guys need to be have been actually in a relationship for two months or three months, or you need marriage, or you need to be engaged, or whatever it is, whatever your heart needs to feel safe, or maybe you're not marriage-minded and you're like, I need to trust this person and to feel safe with them. I have polyamorous friends who, for their heart to feel safe, they need, um, you know, to feel that this person values and respects them and and cares for their heart and, um, you know, cares and sees them as sacred and all of these things, but they're not looking for commitment or marriage from these people. And that's totally their own thing. You know, that's, that's, wonderful for them but I'm giving advice for women who are definitely monogamous and definitely looking for commitment and marriage so I would always recommend to not have sex until dating at the very least and that's because you a lot of times for women who are monogamous and marriage-minded that your heart is not going to feel safe your body will not feel safe to open until you are in a relationship until you're fully claimed and a lot of times women will say to me well I know of people that have had sex on the first date and they've gone into a relationship. My response to that is, great, I'm not talking about a relationship as a prize here. I'm talking about what you need to feel safe. I'm not talking about what you need to get this guy to date you. That's not what we're talking about at all. So yeah, of course, there's many women who have sex with a guy on the first date and they end up marrying the guy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what do you need? Not what do you need for him to date you? What do you need to feel safe? What does your heart and your body need to feel safe truly to open up in this sacred way? For me, that is relationship. I need to be claimed in a relationship and to feel committed to. And for you, that might be different. But definitely don't lead with your actual sexuality, with actually exchanging sex with somebody or exchanging sexual anything at all um, for some time at the very least. Um, I would also say... Definitely kissing is like fine, you know, kissing, you know, you want to see the chemistry and whatnot, 
But yeah, definitely nothing further than kissing. I would also be really mindful of the way that you uh, speak about yourself, the way, the things that you express. And I remember when I was 18 and 19, I would casually talk about sex or sexuality. I would casually talk about, um, yeah, that even when I was 20, when I was 20, that was kind of like the turning point for me. But now, you know, even, you know, even when I'm finding girlfriends, so like girl dating, you know, you speak up from your own level of embodiment. So these things that I'm saying, you can't just replicate them. You actually have to be embodied within them and then you can follow these kind of like guidelines that are kind of helpful. But, you know, speaking about, if I spoke about sexuality in general, the way that I speak about it is a reflection of what I actually think and what I actually feel and what I actually experience. So I speak about sexuality as a sacred energy exchange. I speak about sexual sexuality as this sacred, you know, experience with myself, um, with a partner, you know, with a husband, you know, in general, people, when we speak about sexuality, we speak about it in this very um, flippant manner and that's a reflection of how you feel about it you know and what you think about it so I would say that if you ever touch on sexuality when you are engaging with someone the first date second date whatever you're speaking about it in a way that reflects what you want to have this man think about you and what you want this man to know about yourself and your beliefs so if you speak about it you say you know whatever you believe but for me you know, if I'm on a girl date or something, I'm talking about what I believe about sexuality, which is like, oh my gosh, this is a really sacred experience and this is how I've healed my sexuality. This is, you know, how I've connected to my womb and, you know, this is my sacred practices and whatever. I speak about it as a reflection of what I actually think. And so be mindful if you are wanting to not lead with a more flippant, mannerism or idea right you know of sexuality that you are speaking intentionally about it if it does come up i would also say be conscientious of the way that you present yourself on the date right so i remember when i was younger i would um kind of i also don't you know express you don't talk sexually obviously before you guys meet or you know in the first, before you guys are dating or whatever, because again, that's leading with your sexuality. That's exactly what we're talking about is leading with your sexuality. So, you know, we don't want to lead with our sexuality if that's not the relationship that we want to have. If we don't want to have a relationship that's based on your sex appeal and his desire to fuck you, then you want to not lead with that, right? And so you want to have a a uh, relationship that's based on your mutual connection and your love for one another and this healthy desire to consciously move through relationship and through life and and to grow together and, and this mutual deep love and respect and whatever. And then you guys also engage in your beautiful sexuality as well and your eroticism and your sexuality and whatnot and of course, but it's something that is it's not the glue that holds you guys together. It's not the first thing. It's the benefit, the bonus of you guys being able to be in this union and then you guys can explore your sexuality together in a very deeply erotic and, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like for you um, in a deeply erotic way. But, um, but yeah, 
So I would also say be mindful of your clothing. And I am not saying this at all in a way that's like shaming girls for what they wear because no matter what you wear, he shouldn't view you as a sex object or he shouldn't, you know, sexualize you or whatever. But it is important, I think, to carry yourself in a way that expresses how you want others to view you and to treat you. And I will say that, like I said, when I was on social media posting bikini pictures, I was, I didn't want to be perceived in this way. It was almost like it was a an ingrained and conscious belief that I felt like, like I said, that I had to kind of sacrifice showing up with sex appeal to actually be seen. Yeah, that's really what it was. Like it was an unconscious belief that I had to have sex appeal. I had to put my sex appeal out there if I wanted to be seen and I wanted to be heard. So as I started doing that, I only was seen by people I didn't actually want to be seen by. (laughs) I didn't want to be seen by men who were constantly sexualizing me, but because I had this unconscious belief, that's what I received back to me. So, you know, let's say you're on a dating app or something, make sure your pictures aren't giving a sex appeal vibe with your, you know, in bikini. Like, I would never post a bikini picture, um, you know, if I was on a dating app or something, which obviously I'm not, but... um, But if I was, if I were you, if I, you know, if I was someone, if I was myself who wanted what I wanted and I'm giving that advice to you as if I was me, I would not put any sexy pictures of myself on dating apps or online. I would only put pictures that reflect my essence and who I really am and reflect, yeah, what I want, how I want to be perceived. So that also goes for the way that you show up in the way that you dress. I think that dressing in a overly sexy manner to a first date or, you know, whatever is something that maybe should be reserved for reserved for once you're ready for your man to sexualize you right like once you're in a relationship you want your man to sexualize you (laughs) you want your man to be erotic with you you want your man to ravish you you want your man to you know view you as this sexy person so once you are in a relationship with him yes but before that And of course, we can't help that we're sexy, right? Like women are naturally sexy. I'm naturally sexy, right? Like that's something I can't help. But I'm not going to, you know, show up in a Fashion Nova, um, you know, jumpsuit with the cutouts all on the hips and the cutouts right above the butt. Like I'm just not going to wear that, right? (laughs) If I were you, I wouldn't wear that, you know? So I'm saying if you can, women are naturally sexy. You're naturally sexy. I'm naturally sexy. So if I wear a dress, my butt, even if it's not tight, it's still going to look big. My hips are still going to, you know, it's still going to give that vibe. But I'm not going to go out of my way to really present myself as sexy. If I were you, that is what I would do. I would not go out of my way to present myself as sexy. Um... So, so yeah, so I would say present yourself in the way that you really want to be received. So for me, I feel like I present myself as a, as like a, like a fairy goddess queen. (laughs) No, I'm being so serious though. Like, I feel like I present myself as like 
if someone sees the way I dress, I feel like they would get the vibe of like she is a she's either sometimes I just dress like a beautiful woman like I just dress in a nice dress or a nice little outfit and I just give a beautiful woman vibe but my favorite way to present myself is as like a spiritual fairy you know kind of vibe so I wear long flowy white skirts I wear white crop tops and I wear a lot of gold jewelry and and you know kind of accentuate that I wear minimal makeup that kind of thing so that is how I like to present myself the most that's my favorite but I also sometimes just wear like a really beautiful dress and it doesn't give fairy at all it just gives a beautiful outfit you know or I wear right now I'm wearing these black baggy pants and then this little black crop top and you know the baggy and then the tight crop kind of like accentuates um, or not accentuates they complement one another But yeah, so you don't have to, you know, be a freaking nun. I'm not, I do not dress like a nun at all. But, you know, if I were you and I was going on a first date or a second date or a third date, I would just go out of my way to dress in a way that allows him to focus on something else other than how big my butt is. You know what I mean? Like, or how something, you know, my whatever is. So I would just dress in a way that communicates what I'm trying to communicate and even if you're you know in let's say your butt looks amazing and your boobs you have a push-up bra and your boobs are out and your hips are out and you look amazing but you are embodied in who you are and you're embodied in your sacred essence it really doesn't matter so what you dress, how you dress really doesn't matter as far, unless, I mean, not unless, but it doesn't matter as much as how you're embodied and how you communicate and what you're communicating and how you're expressing and the way that you're expressing yourself, it really doesn't matter. So, you know, you can be, if you have, if you have a larger bust, I don't have a larger bust. So if you have like double D's, um, you know, then, your boobs could totally, your boobs, like I said, like for me, I have a bigger butt. So my, your boobs are going to be your boobs. Your boobs are going to look big no matter what you wear. Um, you know, but maybe don't wear a see-through top with, you know, little nipple coverings or something. And, you know, maybe a super, super, super low cut. Maybe you don't wear that on your first date, right? And so, like I said, my butt is going to look big, but maybe I'm not going to wear something that, you know, those tight, those tight yoga pants that make it jiggle. Like I just, I'm not gonna do that on the first, the first date. Um, But once you are comfortable with this man, of course you want him to think you're sexy. So pull out the low, the low rise jeans or the low rise top or the sexy whatever, of course. But um, you know, I would, and I don't dress like a nun at all. I definitely wear, I feel like other people would definitely think I wear like, I don't know. I I mean, I guess I just wear a lot of crop tops. Um, But I think that, you know, presenting yourself in the way that you want to be received and perceived is important. And it's not, you know, fair that a lot of times men will perceive us in a certain way. But at the end of the day, we're beautiful. We're women. We're sexy. We are innately sexual. We have beautiful bodies and we have boobs. We have butts. And I think that it is something to just be mindful of is like, you know, how can I show my essence through what I'm wearing? So if you're like a hyper femme girl and you want to wear a lot of pink and whatever, like that's showing your essence through what you're wearing. If you are someone like me who 
who's more like spiritual and down to earth and whatever, I wear fairy skirts and a lot of white and a lot of gold and that communicates what how I feel inside, right? So just communicate how you feel inside and just be mindful of not being overly sexy, I think, on the first date or the second date or until you guys are dating. <laughs> But yeah, guys, I feel like honestly, it's just an embodiment. So the first step is recognizing that you are leading with your sexuality, right? That's the first step is like, hey, I lead with my sexuality. That can look like sexting before you guys meet. That can look like, you know, uh, constantly kind of hypersexualizing yourself and your body online or in person to be super sexy because you know that's how you're leading with your sexuality that can be actually hooking up with a guy super early or having sex with a guy super early um that can look like any of a number of things that are leading with your sexuality and the first step there is to recognize it the second step is to start to actually go on a journey of connecting with yourself through therapy, through intentional singleness, through having hobbies, through feeling purposeful, through connecting with God, whatever it is, through healing your relationship with your womb, healing your relationship with your sexuality, all of these things, especially healing your relationship with your sexuality. Once you actually heal it and you realize that, wow, this is so sacred and so beautiful. When I started doing womb practices, I remember just being in tears so many times because I was like, wow, I never really fully realized how sacred I actually am. I never realized and connected on this beautiful level with my womb and with my yoni. I never have done that before. And now that I'm doing that, there's no way in hell I would ever lead with my sexuality because... I find my sexuality to be so sacred. So connecting with your sexuality can actually be a way, a protective mechanism against leading with your sexuality. Sounds like it is, you know, um, dichotomy, but it's it's not. <laughs> um, or not dichotomy, that was the wrong word. It sounds like it is mutually exclusive. That's what I meant to say, um, but it's not. And so, so yeah, so that's the second step is connecting with yourself in that way. And then the third step is really embodying that in a confident way. So once you've connected with yourself, practicing embodying that with confidence, with pride, carrying yourself with pride. I was talking about on Twitter just the other day about carrying myself with pride in any room that I walk into. My shoulders are back. My head is... Um, in alignment with my spine, my eyes are straight, I carry myself with a confidence and a pride and a security in any room that I walk into. I speak clearly, I speak with, you know, um, clarity and I carry myself with that pride. And then the next part is really making sure that you're just aware of these little kind of rules that you set for yourself. So I gave you some guidelines in this episode, but you can set whatever rules for yourself feel in alignment. So that could be, you know, okay, I'm going to set a rule with myself that I am not going to, you know, um, have sex until we're in a relationship. Or that could be, I'm not going to whatever, whatever it is for you. So setting little guidelines for yourself. I also think that I might make another episode on how to not like overshare because that was something I really had to heal and learn is not oversharing and I had to set a lot of boundaries and guidelines for myself with that. So that's also important and I think that's, yeah, that's a kind of a whole nother story. But also the last part is when we don't lead with our sexuality, a lot of times there is a period where we feel very dysregulated because we were using our sexuality as a way to 
avoid feelings. I'm not going to go too deep into this because this is what I do with my clients and I want to keep it exclusive for them. But on a very basic note, when you are no longer leading with your sexuality, there are going to be feelings that come up such as awkwardness, um, vulnerability. Vulnerability is a big one. You're actually going to have to be vulnerable without kind of connecting and avoiding vulnerability through sex, which is interesting because we think of sex as so vulnerable and it is, but a lot of times we avoid the vulnerability and the shyness and the awkwardness of connecting with someone initially through being sexual with them. And so there's going to be feelings that come up and through therapy, we can learn how to, or through coaching, I do this with my clients, but through coaching or therapy, you can learn how to navigate through these big emotions that come up. So when you're no longer leading with your sexuality, you are able to move through the emotions that you might've been avoiding before. So, so yeah, guys, I love you so much. I'm going to cut this episode here, but I will talk to you soon and thank you so much. And yeah, and don't ever shame yourself if you led with your sexuality in the past. I've led with my sexuality in the past. Life and patriarchy and our society conditions us to lead with our sexuality. Do not worry. Do not fret. Do not think that you are wrong or that you are bad or that you are tainted. I am going to link my other podcast episode in this the description, which is about um, how to forgive yourself for past sexual experiences. And there's absolutely no shame needed at all. You are still a sacred woman. You are a sacred woman innately. Nothing could ever take that away from you. So if you are learning right now that you have been leading with your sexuality, please do not shame yourself and instead offer that version of you so much unconditional love because that version of you is who needs it most. She didn't know how to engage in an embodied way. She didn't know how to engage with men from a space that felt authentic to her. And that version of you is the one who needs the biggest hug. The version of you who felt most disempowered is the one version of you who needs the biggest love and acceptance from you. The version of you who felt like she had to lead with her sexuality because that was the most interesting thing about her. Imagine how hurt that little girl is inside, that inner child, that little version of her. So that version of you is who needs the most empathy and understanding. So there's absolutely no shame. You know, um, every woman that I know, myself included, has had disempowering experiences. And through those experiences, we've learned how to return home to ourselves. So don't feel embarrassed. Don't feel ashamed. There's nothing wrong with you. Um, and we just learn. And this is how you show up for yourself and show up for that version of you. Because that version of you who led with her sexuality, what she really wanted was to be seen and to be heard and to be loved and to be connected with. And she felt she had to sacrifice leading with her. She had to sacrifice her sexuality to this man so he could see her and she didn't and what she really wanted to know was that she doesn't have to and what she really wants to know is that you love her and you see her so that's what she really needs um so yeah i love you guys so much i hope this episode was so helpful and if not you know take what resonates what doesn't just leave it but yeah i love you guys so much every saturday at 8 a.m i drop my little podcast episodes and thank you guys so much for listening thank you guys so much for all the success my podcast has had and yeah i love you also remember to leave your review to enter the giveaway and yeah i'll talk to you soon all right bye guys support for this podcast and the following message come from corient 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.